So this morning, uh, I want us to um, kind of use our creative imagination and try to put ourselves in uh, Peter's place during the whole weekend, all right? So if, it, if it's really good for you, you can't concentrate because things are happening, you can close your eyes. It will be a little longer because I am going to tell the story, all right? So I want us to really use our minds, our bodies, our imagination, what is going on right now with Peter. So imagine this with me. Peter is at this table eating Passover uh, with Jesus. He reaches for the bread and he looks into Jesus's eyes. This love and desire just wells up inside of Peter and he says, man, I, I would do anything. I'd do anything for this man. I'd do anything. You know, he had been wondering, Peter, about some of the things that Jesus has been saying, but he, he couldn't imagine, he couldn't imagine that Jesus would be uh, arrested and beaten beyond recognition, and he couldn't imagine that he would be standing um, before uh, Pilate. He, he couldn't imagine these things where he would be hung on a cross. Peter had no imagination for this, and ultimately, Peter could not imagine that he would deny Jesus, not once, not twice but three times. But only in a few hours, Jesus is arrested. There's a hasty trial at the high priest's course. And then early in the morning, what what happens? He he goes uh, before Pilate, and then he's ushered off to Herod, and then he's back to Pilate, and his fate is sealed. Jesus is left to die on the cross. And Peter's world is flipped upside down. Peter flees. In fact, none of the 12 remain to see him buried. Only Mary Magdalene and a few wealthy followers were left to take the body down, to carry it outside the city and entomb it. If you've ever felt despair in the pit of your stomach, you know what Peter is feeling. How could the Messiah, the the heir of David, be gone, be dead, be buried? How could this happen? And it happened so quickly. Obviously, Peter could not sleep on Saturday evening. And Sunday morning, when he's, he's awakened, he sees the sun and just the weight of the past few days. And the weight of the days to come is so overwhelming, he doesn't want to get out of bed. And suddenly, he hears a knocking at the door. Soldiers, he thinks. But no, it's Mary Magdalene's voice saying, they have taken the body of our Lord. So he bursts out of bed. He is flying through the narrow streets and out the city gates. He keeps running till he reaches the tomb. And the great stone that had sealed the entrance of the tomb had been rolled away. So he and John go and they look inside and and they don't see Jesus. But they, they see grave clothes. And so they're slowly walking back to the city. They're slowly walking back with, with some expectation, but they also didn't want to have like deep hope because they're like uh, a little unsure of what is happening. And, and Peter maybe whispers to John and just says, if he did it for Lazarus, 
Could he do it for himself? Later that evening, the disciples are, are gathered together. They're, they're gathered in, in fear and kind of protection with one another because they don't know, are the religious leaders going to come after us? And then in an instant, Jesus appears. Jesus appears and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit and forgive. Receive the Holy Spirit and forgive. Peter is probably thinking, how, how, how can I be forgiven? He catches Jesus' eyes. And a rush of shame and guilt come over him because he remembers the last time they saw each other eye to eye, he was yelling at, at the young servant girl saying, I don't know who he is. And so Peter is in this fit of shame. We see that uh, a few days later, the disciples are in a boat. Just in the next chapter in John. And John begins to recognize that Jesus is on the shore uh, cooking breakfast. And before he can say, hey, I think that's Jesus, Peter is stripping off his clothes and diving in and swimming. And Jesus does a beautiful thing. He, he uh, asks Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter gets to say, I love you. Just as many times as he denied Jesus. Jesus cooks them breakfast. It's a restorative moment in Peter and Jesus' life. And then we see Peter and John a few weeks later in Acts chapter 13. They're, they're standing before a council. And the council is questioning them about the resurrection because they're teaching the resurrection of the dead and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they're being questioned. And this is what it says in Acts 4.13. It says, we, uh, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Let me say that again. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Peter never doubted again. He then never denied Jesus again. He lived sold out to the end for Jesus because he was forgiven. We are able to forgive, family. We are able to forgive. Because of Jesus' death, his burial, and resurrection. He paid for our sins. He paid for us to forgive even when we don't want to. But if the story would have just ended with Jesus' burial, the story would have ended with Peter's shame. But it didn't end there. The resurrection is what brings restoration. The resurrection is what brings hope. The resurrection is the thing that our faith is built upon. This is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our King of kings 
and Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and we thank you. We thank you that while we were still in sin, you sent your Son for us. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness to be obedient to your Father, even unto death, death on a cross, where we recognize that through your death, your resurrection, we have power. We have power to overcome sin. We have power to uh, forgive. And we have the Spirit of God living in us to worship and to praise the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you ready for a second sermon this morning? Must be a big day. (laughs) So our uh, series that we're in right now is called We Believe. And uh, guess what our theme is today? We believe in our resurrected Savior. There we go. We believe in our resurrected Savior. Can we just say that together? Let's say it together. We believe in our resurrected Savior. (laughs) Yes. So what do we mean when we say we believe? What does believe mean? There's a couple of different beliefs that are out there. There's, uh, I just want to mention a couple this morning. One is uh, a casual belief. That's the, you know, I believe in God, but, you know, uh, the teachings of Jesus don't really impact my daily life. I'm a good person. I've got great morals. I pay my taxes. I open the door for people at Wawa. You know, I'm a good person overall, but just kind of casual belief. Then there's like the convenient belief that's like, uh, you know, if it helps me, if it benefits me in any way, if it gives me an advantage, oh yeah, I'm a believer. You know, if, uh, if I'm in the middle of a crisis and I need, and I need help, I'm going to cry out to God, God, I believe, please help me come, you know, come through for me in this desperate situation, you know, or maybe you're a business person and you know that if you play the little faith card that uh, you could probably seal the deal, you know, and so, you you know, oh yeah, I'm I'm a believer too, I'm born again, I go to church, you know, Uh, that's awesome, we're like brothers in Christ, we're sisters in Christ, you know, just sign on this line, close the deal, Uh, convenient faith, that's real popular these days. But then there's this other type of belief that's committed belief, committed in every way. When Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, if you want to be my disciple, he didn't say you can just kind of go about it casually. You know, if you have time to fit it in your busy, insane schedule, then follow me. But he said, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, uh, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. This is committed belief. How do we get from the reality of casual belief to committed belief? And I would say, I would suggest this morning that it starts with encountering the risen Jesus. I want to introduce you to another disciple today. We just were introduced to Peter. uh, But I want to introduce you to Thomas. Anybody know who Thomas is? What was Thomas' nickname? (laughs) Yeah, okay, Doubting Thomas. Yeah, I grew up kind of, you know, being taught, hey, Thomas is like the bad guy. Like, you know, don't be a doubting Thomas. Um, I got to tell you, Thomas gets a bad rap. uh, I want to tell you that he should not be known alone for his doubting, but instead he should be known as a person of committed faith, committed belief in Jesus. Thomas was one of the 12 disciples. Uh, At one point, Jesus called him to follow him. He left whatever career he had, whatever business he had. Most likely he was a fisherman. We get this little clue after the resurrection, Jesus appears to seven of the disciples and 
Thomas is one of those seven, and they're out fishing. Uh, But whatever he was doing, he left everything to follow Jesus. And he walked with Jesus, and he listened to Jesus. He heard the teachings of Jesus. He saw the miracles that Jesus performed, the people that Jesus healed. There was even a, a time in John eleven sixteen, and I don't think he was being sarcastic, but he said he was willing to even lay down his life for Jesus. In John 14, he questions Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you, and Thomas is like, yeah, we, how do we know the way? I, I feel like Thomas had this hunger for the truth. And I think that is why when Jesus died, um, Thomas took it harder than you could ever imagine. He took it really hard. In John chapter 20, which we just read the beginning of that chapter, after the death of Jesus, all the other disciples are gathered together except two of them. Judas, obviously, and then Thomas is not there. And I think Thomas was completely devastated. Maybe more so than the others because with everything in him, he wanted to believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that he was the son of God, that he was the Messiah, but he couldn't believe in a dead God. He couldn't believe in a dead Messiah. Thomas then said a few words that have labeled him to this day as doubting Thomas. We're going to look at that in a minute, but we're not going to stay there. But as we move from casual belief to committed belief, I want to just suggest a couple of things that will help us in that journey. The first is, the first is doubts. Oh, there's Thomas if you watch The Chosen. That's not actually what Thomas looked like, but, you know, sometimes it helps me to have an image in my head. All right, that's Thomas. Doesn't he look like a great guy? All right, Thomas. The journey to committed faith begins with doubts and questions. Thomas said this. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Thomas, you're not going to believe it, but we have seen the Lord. We have seen Jesus. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. What was Thomas saying? He was like, guys, you have no idea what this means to me. I have to know for myself. If, if it is true that Jesus is alive, if the tomb is empty, if he is risen, then, man, everything changes about my life. But if you guys are praying a, playing a cruel prank on me right now and, and, and this isn't true, then I've got no hope at all. I might as well just go back to my business and fish. Thomas brings his questions and his doubts. Some of you this morning have questions and doubts. There's been periods in my life when I've had questions and doubts, and I want you to know this is where it all starts. Bring them to Jesus. This place, PFC, is a safe place for your questions and your doubts. This is where it all begins. Bring your questions and your doubts. Maybe some of you are, I mean, as you read the Bible, there's person after person that had questions and doubts. Uh, Nicodemus had questions. The woman at the well had questions. The blind man had questions. Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, dying for us, said, my God, my God, why? He had a question. Maybe some of you have questions about faith. You're like, what is this cross and empty tomb thing? Is this, did this really happen? And how can I know? Uh, what difference does it make in my life? Or maybe you look at the things going on in the world and you're like, why would a God who says he's good and, and says he's loving, why would he allow these horrific things to happen to innocent people? And it messes with you. Some of the greatest people of faith, you need to know this, started out with 
honest and sincere doubts. And here, Thomas has some doubts. I don't believe unless I see, feel, and touch. But then look what happens next. The next thing in our road to committed faith is discoveries. Look at what Jesus does. God will often give us a season of discoveries. This is how Jesus responded to Thomas in verse 26. I absolutely love this. So a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And where was Thomas? He was with them. Sometimes it's all about just showing up. He was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, this is just how good God is, how great Jesus is. He looks at Thomas and he says, put your, put your finger here. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And then he says, stop doubting and believe. What I want you to notice is that Jesus did exactly what Thomas needed to believe. And I believe with everything in me that if you will take your honest and sincere doubts and questions to God, he will do what you need to believe. I know that in my own life, there have been times when I've doubted, I've had questions, but God has shown up and God has revealed himself to me. And I don't have time to tell you the stories, but God, I've seen God's powerful hand at work. I've sensed like God saying, yes, Dave, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to be. This is what I want you to be all about. Time and again, God has revealed himself. And I believe that if you seek him, you will find him. God is a God that wants to reveal himself to you. Discoveries. And then the third piece of the journey is, by the way, I don't know if Thomas actually touched doesn't say that he did. It, Jesus said, hey, you know, go ahead. But Thomas was, I think Thomas was like, no, I'm good, Jesus. <laughs> I can see the scars from here. They're still pretty fresh, you know, like, I, I believe. The third thing is this. It's declared faith. A declaration of faith. To believe, not casual, not, conven- not convenient, but committed belief. Look at verse 28. Thomas, he didn't say I'm good. He said this. He said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And, and, and he, what he just said as a Jewish person was blasphemy. But he was like, I'm willing to take that risk. I am willing to, to get arrested for this because I have seen the risen Jesus. And I'm all in. I'm committed. And as history tells us, Thomas was all in. Doubting Thomas took the news of Jesus is risen all the way to India. And he started this evangelistic crusade all throughout India. You can go there today and see remnants of his work all over India. Going around telling people he's alive. He is risen. And it's also historically possible that some non-believers approached him one day and said, Thomas, renounce your faith in Jesus Christ and we'll let you live. But if you continue to embrace this faith in Christ, we will execute you right here, right now. And as tradition goes, Thomas looked up to heaven and said, never will I deny the one who died for me. And they tied him to a tree and they drove a stake right through the heart of his body. Doubting Thomas? Come on now, that's not fair. Started with his doubts. Then it led to discovery. Then it led to his declared faith, my Lord and my God. I'm all in. You are who you say you are. 
You're my risen Lord and my risen Savior. Then Jesus said to Thomas, verse 29, he said, because you have seen me and have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us, friends, who have not seen and have yet believed. So the tomb is empty. Stone is rolled away. Death, hell, the power of sin have been broken. There is no cause close to as worthy as submitting our lives fully to Jesus. We believe in our resurrected Savior. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's stand and let's proclaim that. Yeah. Let's stand. Let's proclaim that. Let's sing out. Let's lift our voices in praise.